In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved Orthodox Christians, we heard in today's Gospel according to St. Luke the miracle that our Savior wrought for a man called Jairus, who was a ruler of a synagogue. <clears throat> and his daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying. And this man, in his desperate attempt to save his daughter's life, when he heard that there was a teacher, a man who, was, who had power to heal and to resurrect, came and pleaded with him, with our Savior, that is, to resurrect his own daughter. And as they were talking about this, and as another miracle was taking place, of which we shall talk a bit later concerning the woman who had an issue of blood, somebody came to the man, to, the, to Jarius, and said that his daughter had already died. But our Savior comforted him and said, don't worry, you only have faith and everything will be fine. And they went together, this man, with last hopes and with the last shred of hope that this uh, preacher, this new teacher, this new prophet that had appeared in Israel would do the unbelievable and the impossible of resurrecting his daughter from the dead. And that is what happened. Our Savior went together with the mother and the father of the, of the maiden and his three disciples, the uh, foremost among the disciples, Peter, John, and James. And there he resurrected the little girl, the damsel from the dead. In the Gospel, beloved Christians, we hear four times of the resurrection from the dead wrought by a Savior. First among them is this resurrection of the damsel who had just died. The second one is the resurrection from the dead of a young boy who had died but already was taken for burial. The boy who was the son of the widow of Nain, of the city of Nain. <laughs> the third one was that marvelous resurrection, the miracle above every miracle, the resurrection of Lazarus, who was not only dead but had been buried four days already and was decomposing. And the last we hear, the resurrection of the dead of many saints who had reposed years uh, uh, before, when our Savior had suffered his passion and died and had, had uh, uh, gone down to Hades there to, to shackle the death and to bring uh, forth life to us. At that moment, beloved Christians, as we hear in the gospel, there were many who arose from the dead by the power of this miracle of our Savior trampling death by his death. What does this tell us? This, tell us, this tells us the, the, the several uh, uh, miracles of the raising from the dead. First, that uh, our Savior is the master of death in any uh, uh, stage of, of corruption. Not only is he master and, and Lord and the one who can raise from the dead of somebody who had just died, like this damsel, but also of somebody who had died days back and was taken uh, to the burial. Not only is he one who resurrects somebody who died days back, but somebody who was buried already and was decomposing, like Lazarus, his friend. And not only of people who had just died and were buried, but also those who had died years back, who were decomposed, who were bare bones. Our Savior could raise them also, a marvelous miracle showing to us that he is the Lord and Master of any kind of, any, every stage of death, every stage of corruption. Nothing is impossible to him and no corruption can uh, overcome his might and his might of incorruption. But the miracle above every other miracle is our Savior's own resurrection from the dead. 
For in every other case where our Savior resurrects the dead, he give, does this uh, to comfort and to show his, uh, his, his grace and his power. That is, in the case of this maiden who was dead, he comforted the parents. In case of the widow of Nain, he comforted the, uh, the widow. In case of Lazarus, also the, the, the sisters of Lazarus, and to show his power as well. In the case of those who arose from the dead at his passion, also to show his power. But inevitably, all these people who were raised died in the end. Because that is the wage of our sinful life, the death that we all should pay. Therefore, those people were not, they were not victorious over death. Those people that our Savior resurrected stayed away from death for a while. As I said, to show God's glory and also for the comfort. But not so in case of our Savior. His resurrection, there is this difference between the resurrection of all the rest of the people and his resurrection. Our Savior doesn't simply stay away from death when he rises again. He tramples entirely the death. Death, as St. Paul tells us, no more has death power over our Savior's resurrected body because it is entirely incorruptible. It's entirely immortal, eternal. Death has entirely fled from our Savior, unlike from all the others. Therefore, our Savior doesn't escape death, just as in case of other people, that they escape death by God's power for a time, for a while. But he entirely obliterates death, because death has no more power of his resurrected body. And this is the resurrection that we are looking forward to. This is the resurrection that we want to be participants of, not escaping death for a while, but rather to be participants of incorruption that our Savior's body possesses after his arising from the dead. And how is this possible? That How can we participate on, in this? If we want our bodies to be like our Savior's body, when it, full of incorruption, that death has no more power over our bodies, our souls should be participants of his death and resurrection in this life. If in this life our souls are clothed in incorruption, if in this life of ours our, our souls are filled with the grace of incorruption of his resurrection, then our bodies at the time of general resurrection will also be participants of his incorruption. Or rather, the incorruption that already exists in our souls will shine forth in the bodies also. For there exists life of incorruption, eternal life, and life of eternal death as well. Although it sounds paradoxical, there should be eternal death, existence and eternal death. But that is what the fathers teach us, that all be resurrected at the dread judgment of our Savior. Some to go to the resurrection of life and others to the resurrection of death. And therein lies the difference whether we will be resurrected to be with God and to entirely be clothed with incorruption or whether to die that second death as St. John the Evangelist tells us in the Revelation. The second death being that one is resurrected, but not to be with God. One is arisen and it continues to his existence, but without God, that is, in eternal death, in darkness, and in continuous corruption. Therefore, if we want to be participants of that 
a corruptible resurrection, of being participants of our Savior's uh, resurrection at the second coming, our souls should be resurrected first and foremost here. And how is that done, beloved Christians? By all the means that the church has offered us and keeps offering us. By first and foremost being baptized and being participants of our Savior's death and resurrection in the holy baptism. Then continually regenerating this grace of baptism by communing our Savior's body and blood, that same body which was arisen from the dead and that is incorruptible. And thirdly, by const in our struggles, in our daily struggles, dying for the sin, for the world, for the passions, and living for our Savior, for his commandments, and for his love that he has for us. Therefore, if we practice this in this life, and practice it uh, not here and there, but with diligence, with falling but always arising, with never giving up, with constantly reminding ourselves the baptism that we received, that is the resurrection of our Savior, in our Savior that we already received, by understanding how much grace we receive by communing worthily of the holy mysteries, and by never giving up, never betraying our vows of baptism, of keeping and loving God's commandments, and living for them, and dying for passions and sin and all the filth of this world by that slowly day after day month after month year after year our soul will have that those those little signs of incorruption that is that just as the saints were able to do all this in this life if we truly try in to go follow in their footsteps we also have are offered the same grace the same incorruption for we see that so much were they incorruptible in their heart, the saints, that this even shone forth from their bodies in this life, in this life that is temporal. So we see many times in the saints their faces even shone forth with grace of incorruption that they possessed in their hearts. And also, in many times after their death, their bodies wouldn't be uh, corrupted, showing a sign of that great incorruption that they will receive after the resurrection from the dead. Therefore, if the saints who were, as St. Paul tells us, of the same passions, of the same, made of the same stuff as us, if they were able we also are able with God's grace. Therefore, nobody should say that it is impossible, but rather should say that the saints guiding us, we should also try the same, follow in their footsteps and uh, uh, clothe our souls and our hearts with the clothing of incorruption in this life, in this wretched life. If we do this, if they follow in their footsteps, it is possible to do it. And then at the second arising, when everybody shall be arisen, we shall also rejoice with them, entering into life in corruption with our Savior. But today's gospel, beloved Christian, contains another miracle, a miracle concerning a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And our Savior's the words that he speaks after this woman approaches him are so telling, are so profound and deep that we should say a few words about them as well. We see that our Savior was thronged by many people. And this one woman who, was, who had an issue of blood and was considered impure according to the law of Moses approached stealthily, approached in silence and in quietly our Savior, but with fervency of faith and deep faith 
and prayers filled with faith, that if only she touched the hem of his garment, not only his hand, or not even asking anything of him or, uh, openly, but rather if she simply touched the hem of his garment, that would be enough for her to be cleansed. And what's happened? Truly this happened, this miracle, that she approached without anybody knowing and touched the garment of our Savior, and straight away our Savior says this wondrous and deep words, who touched me? And Peter answered, well, my Lord, everybody is thronging you and there's such a crowd here. How do you ask who touched me? And our Savior explains, no, somebody touched me because I felt grace come out of me. What does this mean, beloved Christian? What is the meaning of these deep words? It means that touching, when we come, what, that to touch our Savior means to come with fervency of faith towards Him. That to touch our Savior, to be in communion with Him, is not done simply by being there, but, but coming to Him with fervency of faith and fervency of prayer, like this woman did. Then our Savior, gives us grace for everything, for healing and for salvation and so forth. And we should look at this image of this, take this image of this miracle and apply it in our lives. When is it that we receive grace from God? Is it when we simply stand in the church, stand in prayer and simply do things because we are supposed to, or when we do all of this with fervency of faith and deep prayer? That is when our Savior truly is touched by us. That is when we almost snatch the grace out of his hands. And that is what he wants us to do. Not simply to be present in the church, but to have attention and to be entirely concentrated on what is being said in the divine services. Not to simply stand in prayer, but to be entirely Attentive, struggling at least to be attentive in our prayers. Not only simply doing the commandments for the sake because we were taught so, but doing with fervency of faith, with deep dedication and diligence. When we do this, we truly touch our Savior. We touch his mercy, his compassion, and we snatch out of his hands the grace that we need for our salvation. Snatch out meaning that he loves us to be fervent in our face. Who can snatch out anything from God? Even this woman. Of course our Savior knew that grace had left him. He knew, our Savior knew her even before she approached him. But he tells us this to show how much he loves Then, when we come and approach him with fervency of faith. He allows us to snatch grace out of his hands. And that is the meaning of the words about being violent and violent taking the kingdom of God by force. Who can take the kingdom of God by force? Nobody can. But that is what our Savior wants us in our daily lives, in our relationship with him. That we have fervency, ardent and deep faith and not do anything concerning the, our salvation and church in, in a half-hearted manner that half of our heart does it and the other is somewhere else or our mind goes everywhere when we are doing something concerning our salvation but rather with our whole heart with our whole mind with our, all the strength of our soul to be concentrated in the things of the church in the things of our salvation 
In this way, when we do this like this woman did, when no, she was alone, nobody was there to help her. She was considered impure, but she had this fervent faith that our Savior would not reject her, and all the powers of her soul were concentrated in the prayer that our Savior should help her. She received this great grace, and she was able to snatch out, as our Savior himself says, from him the grace to be healed. Let us apply this to our lives as well, beloved Christians, especially for us monastics in our daily services in our daily prayer rule in our daily readings to have our whole mind our whole heart our whole soul concentrated in the words in keeping the commandments of our savior in the prayers that we are saying in listening to the to the directions that are given to our to our abbot and the spiritual father and so forth not to be lukewarm but rather ardent in faith in doing all this and if we do this we are truly will with God's grace take the kingdom of God by force and will snatch out from our Savior who he loves that we should do this uh, the the salvation and the kingdom of God of this may our Savior deem us worthy amen